Our Bible reading this morning is from the New Testament, from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 18. Christ crucified is God's power and wisdom. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were before you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We give thanks to God for his word. Okay, thank you so much. Well, good morning, one and all. My name's uh, Chris Brockway. I have the real joy of uh, being one of the ministers at uh, Christchurch Baptist Church alongside Kay, who you've just heard from. So today is uh, Good Friday. Can I be really honest? Good Friday is a day which I always find something of an uncomfortable and yet necessary day. An uncomfortable and yet essential day in the church calendar. I wonder if you know what I mean by that. Do you know, I've been a Christian now, a follower of Jesus, for more than three decades. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. My word, he doesn't look old enough to have been a Christian for 30 years. Uh, You're so kind. But, you know, I can confidently say that committing my life to Christ, becoming a follower of Jesus, was the best decision that I've ever made in all of my life. But for 30 years now, I found Good Friday this day an uncomfortable and yet essential day in the calendar. It even feels a little awkward, doesn't it, calling Good Friday a Good Friday celebration. And yet that's what today is. It's a celebration. 
You see, as a Christian and as a church leader living in this moment in history, I know that Good Friday is not the end of the journey for Jesus. Yes, Jesus died on Good Friday, but I know that there's more to his story than just the Friday. I know that Jesus conquered death and sin. I know that on the Sunday, Jesus rose again to new life. I know that Jesus did not stay dead. I know that the cross and the tomb were both empty by the end of Easter Sunday. And all of this, of course, is really good news because without it, I wouldn't be stood here right now. In fact, if Jesus hadn't come back to life, having died, none of us would be gathered here right now. You wouldn't be hearing the bells of the priory right now. You see, I know the end of the story, and I find myself longing to celebrate Easter Sunday in a few days' time. But today, today we find ourselves gathered here on Good Friday, and it feels really important, doesn't it, to stop and to mark this day as a day of its own, albeit part of the wider celebrations of a bigger story, as an uncomfortable and essential part of Jesus' ministry. Now, saying it's essential that we embrace Good Friday is a bit like saying it's essential that we embrace torture, because actually Good Friday was, for Jesus, exactly that. It was gruesome. Perhaps it's not surprising, therefore, is it, that we're so keen to move on to the celebration of Easter Sunday, given all that happened on that first Good Friday. But Friday is the road to Sunday, Good Friday is the day when we remember the celebration, uh, the crucifixion rather, of Jesus. And it's really important that we do because there is no Easter Sunday without Good Friday. There is no resurrection without the cross. For those of us who live like we do, most of us in the West here, the subject of death and dying is something of a taboo subject, isn't it? It's a conversation only to be had behind closed doors when we have to. It's a conversation that you have with hushed tones. It's certainly not something you talk about at the quamps in public. Oops. But in the Bible reading that Kay just read for us, the earliest Christians we discover have a different perspective about such things. They said, as we heard in those words of the Apostle Paul, the cross, the death of Jesus on the cross is the wisdom and the power of God. The wisdom and and the power of God. Wow, that's quite a thing to say, isn't it? In the cross, in the death of Jesus, we find the wisdom and we find the power of God. Well, I wonder what did Paul mean by that? You see, the cross is really important to those of us like me who profess to be followers of Jesus. Why is it important to me? Because the cross is important to God. But whenever we talk about the cross, we're actually talking, aren't we, about an object of death. The cross is and always has been the primary symbol of the Christian faith. Wherever you find Christians, you're likely to find a cross or at least a very very profound understanding of what the cross means. Why? Because it's through the cross that God most powerfully and most tangibly expresses his love for you and for me, for humanity. No other symbol has captured the imagination of humanity and especially of Christians as the cross. The cross symbol is possibly the most recognized symbol in the world. 
But actually, the cross is more than just a brand or a logo, isn't it, for Christianity? For those of us who are Christians, no other symbol effectively illustrates what it means to be a Christian. No other symbol expresses the breadth and the width and the length and the height of God's love and his compassion for humanity. Well, earlier this week, I was reminded that I've got one of those Marmite faces. The truth is, I'm actually quite attached to it. It's one of those faces which causes babies to be delighted or to be terrorized. I wonder if it's having that effect on you right now. I do apologize. We'll try and get a more glamorous speaker for next year. Well, earlier this week, I was in McDonald's. I know, try not to judge me. When all of a sudden, these two little faces appeared behind the glass divider, which was separating my table and the table that they were gathered around. Now, I'm a sucker for moments like this. So I did what every responsible adult should do in such moment. I started pulling faces at the two children, which made them incredibly curious. I thought, too, that I was doing their parents a favor because it was very obvious their parents were engaged in very serious business on their phones on a table on the other side of the restaurant. They hadn't actually noticed that their parents were talking to a weirdo, well, to me, anyway. Well, pulling of faces was going really well. So I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll engage in a more retro game. I'm going to play a game with them of, of peekaboo. You know the game, hide your face, reveal your face, hide your face, reveal your face. And it was at this moment it all went horribly wrong and horribly right. The response of these two children could not have been more contrasting. One of the babies looked delighted and started giggling. The other baby went bright red, got a quivering lip, and then started to unconsolably cry. It was at this moment that both of the parents on the far side of the restaurant, if you call it a restaurant, disengaged from their very important business on their phones. Awkward moment. I told you I had a Marmite face. The parents started to stare. They gave me hostile looks. I wish that the ground would muck swallow me up, but it didn't. I did offer in a joking moment to pay for the therapy of the two children, but that was declined. And you know, in a sense, this morning, our Bible reading, in our Bible reading, Paul is saying that most people have the same reaction to the cross of Jesus. The cross of Jesus can be Marmite. To some people, it's delightful. To other people, it's offensive. To some people, the cross is the wisdom of God. To other people, it's pure foolishness. To some people, the cross is a sign of strength. And to others, it's pathetic and it's weak. To some, the cross brings joy and to others it brings hostility. And I guess on an occasion such as this, we're prompted to think about this question, aren't we? What do I see? What do you see when you look at the cross of Jesus? Do you see the wisdom of God? Do you see the power of God? Or do you see pure foolishness? For many today, myself included, like the Apostle Paul, we've looked at the cross and we've decided that this is the way that God has most tangibly revealed his love to us. The cross is a window through which we can look to see the often hidden face of God. I wonder for you today, as you look through the window of the cross into the face of God, I wonder what kind of face do you see? When I look, I look and see the face of a God who loves me passionately. I discover a God who loves you and I with complete and absolute abandonment, 
a God who unconditionally takes upon his shoulders the pain that I should have received. You see, it's only through looking at the window of the cross that we're able to see the face of God up front and close and personal. Jesus volunteered to die on the cross in our place. Jesus died on that Good Friday so that you and I might live. Jesus died to pay for our sin for us. And here's a thought today which I would encourage you to think about over your Easter weekend. I wonder if you can imagine that God loves you so passionately and so much that he would give the most precious gift he could give for you. Does that sound like wisdom to you? Does it sound like the power of God or does it sound like pure foolishness? Now, of course, we can see the face of God in places other than the cross of Jesus. If you look into creation right now, look around you, God is revealing himself to you as an incredible creator. Did all this happen by chance? Almost certainly not. You can hear the miracle. Uh, you can recognize God in the miracle of the early morning bird song. You can look into infinity, the endlessness of space with your telescope. You can look at the complexity of nature with a microscope and see molecules bouncing around. You'll see the face of God in all those places and many more. But it's only through the window of the cross that you can see the face of a God who suffers with us and for us and instead of us. You can see the face of God most clearly through the cross of Jesus. No wonder the cross is such a powerful symbol for those of us who have come to faith in him. You know, the amazing thing is that God will never force you to love him by his raw power. God doesn't command you to love him like a dictator commands obedience. Let's be honest, the world has got enough dictators we do not need any more. He doesn't bribe you into loving you by giving you what you want or what you think you need. He offers you the gift of his son, Jesus. He simply invites you into a loving relationship which is made possible by Jesus dying on the cross for you. He suffers with you. He suffers in you and he suffers for you. What is the cross of Jesus to me? It's the wisdom and it is the power of God. Good Friday surely has to remind us that Jesus endured six hours of anguish for you and for me so that we could be forgiven of our sin. That's the message of the cross. That's the overwhelming message of the cross. And it's good news on Good Friday. That's why we see the face of God as we look at the cross. The Apostle Paul tells us that the message of the cross means either salvation and strength and wisdom, or it means separation, weakness, and foolishness to those who hear it. The choice is yours today. As I finish, I want to draw to a close with the words of the theologian John Stott. And he shares this brilliant thought, which I wish I'd written myself. He says, I could never myself believe in a God if it were not for the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who was immune to pain? I turn to that lonely, twisted, tortured figure on the cross Nails through his hands and nails through his feet, back lacerated, limbs wrenched, brow bleeding from thorn pricks, mouth dry, intolerably thirsty, 
plunged in God-forsaken darkness. That's the God for me, says John Stott. He set aside his immunity to pain. He entered our world of flesh and blood and tears and death. This Good Friday, we honor, we recognize, we celebrate a God who is not immune to the pain of this world, but a God who identifies with it. In the cross, we see the wisdom and we see the power of God on display. I wonder, what do you see when you look at the cross? Christianity without the cross is like music without a tune. The cross today on Good Friday is our message. It's our hope and it's our confidence. And if you don't yet know Jesus, it can be your confidence as well. And today I commend him to you. Let's be still together.